I, I think the term eco-chaplain is, is a beautiful term for what it is um, I was attempting to do on this project because it acknowledges um, both a level of, of activism, uh, a level of the awareness of powers that are much bigger than we are as humans and um, someone who's also just engaged at a ground level uh, with people around them. This is Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes podcast. This episode is taken from a video interview with Adam Squinty, who took on the project to heal the property he bought for his family and the land that the house sits on through a regenerative construction process that Adam has pioneered. His work is an example of eco-chaplaincy in the world of construction and real estate. For the full effect of interview, I encourage you to go to Home Green Homes channel on YouTube. Either way, I hope you find this story inspiring. My name is Adam Screnzi, and uh, we're here on uh, ancestral Ohlone lands. Or what we needed in our lives at the time was uh, was a home. We had been living in a small apartment, and um, you know, my wife Srijana was very ill, very sick, and so for us, this was a big part of that healing process. Um, and so we were drawn to it for those for those reasons a new place that was uh, almost like a fresh start for us though we knew it wasn't going to be like an uh an easy transition there was a lot of work that needed to be done which for us was also very personal we knew there was going to be a lot of work to heal when i first found this property we felt that there was some illness or sickness, uh, it, probably because we also felt some illness and sickness within ourselves at the time. But it was a very rainy time of year and the ground, knowing that uh, there are a lot of clay soils uh, that retain water, it just was, everything was soggy, everything was a little dark. And when we walked into the house itself, the foundation had, had been completely failed as well. And so uh, there was just like lots of creaks and cracks everywhere. It just felt unstable. This house had been in such rough condition that we knew that there was an opportunity to make some changes here. And, and the way we might describe it is as a healing. We wanted to heal the house and in a way, uh, both heal ourselves and, and heal the land that the house was sitting on. In my own personal journey within the world of construction, you know, having worked in construction for the last 20 years, we spent a lot of time deconstruction, deconstructing spaces, but also tossing majority of those materials in the dump. And then there's a lot of disturbance uh, in that construction process to the soil, to the land, to animals, neighborhood, people, community, all of that. Um, and I had done enough of these projects in my life, and I was at a uh, a special place in my life where I was really motivated uh, to do something very different. And with what was going on within our family, just in terms of, of sickness, it was now or never that we we're going to do something different. 
And so the moment I walked into the house, my contractor mind was quickly turned on. And I said to myself under my breath, oh, this is a knockdown. You know, this, this house is old enough. It's, uh, it's so in such bad disrepair that um, it probably makes the most financial sense to knock it down, to scrape the property, to remove the foundation, to excavate for a new foundation and build a brand new house. But when I thought of specifically this area of Redwood City, that's happening everywhere. And so there was an, an uh, immediate uh, desire to try and challenge that trend that had been taking place here for so many years. Uh, and so the question was asked, you know, we asked the question to ourselves, you know, what might it look like if we didn't knock this house down? And what approach might we take in the design throughout the pre-construction process and the, the construction process to challenge all of these things about uh, a remodel that we know is not the best for the environment and the surrounding community. So the guiding principles uh, were inspired by um, regenerative, regenerative design and regenerative development. Uh, these ideas of regeneration that we want to not just prevent any more destruction to the local environment and its you know, social uh, systems around it, um, not just attain some kind of net zero uh, calculation but have a net positive impact on everything from the environment to local community to the local economy. And so using those guiding principles, we really just thought as expansively as we could about um, you know, the materials being used in the project, the site preservation, the way the site interacts with the workforce that's working on the project and the way the site interacts with uh, the surrounding community. The response to some of our approaches to, um, you know, going beyond the, the typical uh, experience of, of feeling like it was a construction project is nothing but disruption and stress and um, discomfort for everyone involved you know, from the stress that you experience having to go quickly working on a project, um, from the experience as a neighbor, maybe having to deal with the dust and the noise, and maybe you're losing a parking spot outside, not knowing how long a project is gonna go on for, um, or just being the one who is maybe paying for this work and not always knowing what the progress is or being surprised by additional costs. There's, there's always all of this, these, this additional stress and it takes a lot out of you. It's a real reason why we talk about the construction process as one that is um, extractive uh, by nature. It takes, it takes your energy. And so what would a construction project look like that actually gave you energy or um, reinvigorated uh, the energy in the area? And, um, and so we, only, we knew that we only had uh, opportunity and that we could only improve. So we tried to think of as expansively as we could. And, um, and so we, uh, you know, quickly or early on in the project built a meditation center on the site. We had one of the, the trees on the property, you know, was um, or, ornated with um, 
prayer flags and we placed a couple altars. You know, we, we had a couple different religions represented depending on what perspective you had on that. And um, it was a tree that also produced some fruit. Uh, it was a cool area, um, protected you from the rain or the elements. So it seemed like the obvious place. We also uh, had a construction fence that was decorated with chalkboards for communication and also uh, art was hung. And we used the communication um, to use the communication boards to give opportunity to our local neighbors to ask questions, to maybe draw, uh, to write some poems. And we didn't expect any of that to happen, but we imagined how wonderful it would be if it did. And sometimes when something makes so much sense or something so desired, it does happen. And so those things did happen. And we had little kids in the neighborhood drawing pictures, uh, neighbors writing poems, asking questions to us. We would respond to those questions uh, on the chalkboard. We had a local artist come and, and along with the phases of the project, whether it was deconstruction or um, foundation or, or, or all trades, um, draw some pieces uh, that inspired her and um, that reflected that moment for us in the process. So overall, the interaction with the community um, was received well, which we're grateful for, as well as the workforce. Um, we had uh, all types of folks who were working on this property use the meditation center in very in different ways. Some were, um, you know, offering prayers uh, to their own families, to the project itself. Some were going there and just using the space for some solitude and some uh, refuge. Uh, we even had um, people who were working on other projects as well as ours. But when they went to other projects in the area, they would stop by our house uh, to use the space. Um, and they would ask us, if that, is that okay? And we were surprised by both of those situations that someone would wanna come and that they would also even ask us if it was okay, because absolutely, that's what it was here for. The most important thing in general for us was to be living in this area. We really love the area. We're close to people that we know and love. Um, and we felt a, just very comfortable when we first drove into the neighborhood. There was neighbors who were walking out of the doors, coming to greet us, which isn't the most common thing these days to experience that. So we already felt a connection with the neighborhood. It's uh, a little bit of a dream come true. I know that sounds um, probably cliche, but um, what we wanted was actually very simple. We wanted a place where we felt healthy um, again, or just healthier. And so we were fortunate enough to be in a position to be able to do all this work. You know, this is something that I've done most of my life, this kind of work, uh, just working on homes. And we, we, all we really wanted beyond that was the access to the outdoors and to the nature around us. So a home was designed with lots of glass, lots of windows and doors, 
Um, no forced air systems. Everything is radiant heat. Uh, no gas. We remove the gas from the property. Everything is electric and powered by the sun. Um, and lots of white light colors in order to reflect the sunlight both away from the house to refract some sun back uh, to outer space and get some, you know, ease some of the intensity of, of, of climate change, but also to reflect all that light and feel open. It's a small home, so it was designed to be made open. You know, we have double doors going into a very small bedroom because we wanted that sense of flow. When the chimney was taken down, we turned that into a, a glass kind of homage to the old chimney. And so there's a skylight in the place of where the old chimney stack used to be. So when we wake up on Sunday morning, you know, on a day that you don't have to hustle out of the house and get the kids ready for school and all that, and we just open our eyes, all we see is green and sun. And that's all we wanted. And now we have that. It's actually not a lot to ask for, but um, it it's not always easy to make the simple things happen. I, I think the term eco-chaplain is, is a beautiful term for what it is um, I was attempting to do on this project because it acknowledges um, both a level of, of activism, uh, a level of the awareness of powers that are much bigger than we are as humans and um, someone who's also just engaged at a ground level uh, with people around them. And so what an honor and what a, um, what a what apropos term uh, to use. So that's, I loved it, you know, when you, when you introduced that idea and concept to me. I, I think that it would be strange or hard to go through an experience like this and not just want to continue to do this kind of work. Though um, when you're doing it for yourself, it's very personal and there's no barrier or limitation to what you're doing. Um, I would love to be able to do this again. I don't know how, uh, how um, it, would, it would work, but I, I think that that's probably not something to worry about. Yeah, so I think it could probably happen again. I would love to.